0: Meanwhile... I'm looking for a great warrior. Oh! (laughs) The force not to make one great! (laughs) Wow! This place is great! Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great.
1: Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... Hello and welcome back to the Hall of Greatness. This week we are going to talk about something that is truly, truly, truly great and that is voting and why you should vote and all of the reasons that, especially this year in 2018,
0: you need to make sure that you vote because, hey, it's midterm elections, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I think is so interesting because you and I talk a lot about civic duty. We talk a lot about voting, but I think not a lot of people are as familiar with the the midterm election process, right? Uh I mean, you look at, standard voting rates between 50 and 60 percent and for some reason it drops to 35 to 40 percent predominantly in favor of whatever party is not in power so i think this is a really great chance for us to kind of pick your brain andy about why that isn't and 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 why it's so important uh to kind of buck that trend and, and get people more involved Finally, my political science degree
1: comes in handy. <laughs> Yay!
0: <laughs> I told and my you psychology it was wrong. degree will be able to you to
1: to analyze what you're really telling people. Right? So this will work out great. Exactly. You'll you'll be able to actually figure out what's going on because political right. science is so up its own. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so
0: midterm elections. So, yeah. So let's talk about. There's a couple of points that I think I've I've. Gained from conversations with you that I think we need to hit on. And the first one of these is historically, midterms, like we've talked about, have seemed to favor the opposing party. So, yes. in fact, there are only three times where a sitting president has actually gained any seats in the House or Senate, wow. which is, you know, FDR in 34, uh, Bush in 02, and Clinton sort of. Um, in '98, he gained House seats and, and a wash in the Senate. So that's really interesting to me. What is what is behind that? Uh, in your experience, you know, working in the political system as much as you, have? right? Well, so there's
1: this general theory of politics that essentially, if you think of the body politic as a sort of wave, and uh, there's different levels of participation, as you noted in presidential years and in midterms when there's no president on the ballot what sort of happens when in the presidential years it's like the wave comes in and the president whoever he or maybe someday she is uh bring along a lot of fellow travelers with them of their own political party into congress then when that wave sort of goes out then in the midterms, then the opposing party will take back some of those. And so there's an idea that there's a mean that is kind of uh, moving back and forth in between them. And the the presidential elections are the high point and the midterms are the low point. And somewhere in the middle is the mean of
0: actually where the the
1: body politic stands.
0: So this wave theory implies that it, if you don't do your job effectively in the first 2 years there's a good chance that you're going to have your power replaced by the will of the majority but it seems like even when some presidents or administrations have done pretty
1: well they
0: still lose seats
1: that's correct and and
0: so, so well let's let's talk yeah. about the
1: commonalities of 1934 okay 1998 and 2002 okay. 1934 uh, so, Roosevelt came in in 1932, and it's the New Deal. That's, you know, it's, it's the Great Depression. He tries really hard to do all of these things and is fairly successful, um, but keeps getting blocked at certain points, and his policies are so popular that he's able to make the case to people, go out and vote in the midterms and vote these rascals out, because you actually need to replace them with people who are New Deal Democrats and will put my policies through bill clinton in 1998 has everything to do with uh the impeachment and uh his his investigation into perjury essentially the the problem was the inquiry into the president and the idea of impeaching the president was extremely politically unpopular but was pushed forward by hardcore republicans who controlled both the house and the senate and so clinton was able to make the case like hey put these guys in check they're running amok like nobody cares about this scandal and uh the voters agreed with clinton and rewarded him with uh with actually gaining seats because the republicans so overplayed their hand 2002 What had happened just a year before, 9-11. And then we had the Patriot Act and so on and so forth. And there was still this groundswell, this fervor. Political operatives were able to make the case uh, similar to what FDR had done. You have to keep supporting us so that we can do the things that we need to do. And really, at the heart of the debate was, should we invade Iraq? (laughs) And, uh, you know, you essentially had pro-war and anti-war. And even though the Democrats lined up behind a pro-war agenda and gave the president authorization to invade Iraq, they still they still got creamed in the midterms. So, uh, you know, it's a it's very strange because it probably should have happened the other way. Uh, Obama lost huge two years uh, in. In 2010. And again in 2014, you know, two years after he was reelected uh, with a fairly substantial margin. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, the Obama coalition is uh, more diverse, it is younger, and it is made up of people who are the least likely people to vote in midterms. Uh, midterm voters are more affluent, they're older. Uh, they're more established and they are more conservative usually. And uh, that's kind of the general rule of thumb too. Republicans always vote on any, I'm not trying to be like partisan. I'm not trying to make like a, a value statement about this, but Republicans consistently vote. Democrats do not consistently vote. And that is one of the, major so issues. I'm, I,
0: I'm wondering about that because for instance, if you look at so many things on the midterms that are, that are equally important. And, and I tell people this all the time, if, if you're not going to care about who's running for office, at least take a look at the the propositions and the constitutional amendments, because they sometimes can have equally far reaching effects. Um, like for this year in Utah, we have medical marijuana. We have another gas tax increase. Uh, we have a medic Medicaid waiver, I believe. Um, do you find that and this is just a question off the top of my head because so many more things are fiscally involved in the propositions that that the republicans who in my estimation tend to be more fiscally you know uh, i guess attentive if that's the right word is that one of the reasons why they might vote more in the midterms because there are these additional components that affect uh, the fiscal well-being of a state or a region. I mean,
1: there could be, but I mean, there's plenty of those propositions that usually end up in presidential years as well. So it, I I don't know if that is always the factor. Um, I, I think okay. it is generally, though, that Republicans have a greater sense of voter efficacy, that they know that their vote matters and they know what they are voting for. Um, that is usually less clear for Democrats. You know, Will Rogers once said that he is not a member of any organized political party because he's a Democrat. And, uh, you know, okay. I, I think that conservatives and Republicans are much better at uh, getting their message out in very clear ways to motivate their base. And, uh, we, you know, look at what's happening right now. Um, there is going to be a gambit on the Republican side this year that, um, their, their base is going to be motivated by, uh, wanting to support Trump and wanting to get more judges like Brett Kavanaugh and, uh, being scared of immigration and MS 13 and wanting to build a wall that that's what they hope that, uh, You know, motivates voters. They might be right because there is polling to suggest that, uh, you know that that is very motivating to their base. The question is, uh, will those people who are
0: unlikely voters also come out this year? And that remains to be seen. So, part of what draws success in midterms is because there's no president voting or the like. A, an even more concise and strongly marketed political message uh, necessitates better success. And in, in your mind, the the Republican ideas are are presented in a much more salient message and method to their base, which causes yeah, higher I voter think I out. think that is definitely a part of it.
1: Okay. What we are seeing this year, though, is we are seeing... Uh, Democrats in many places who are very motivated by candidates, even though there is not a national candidate that they're voting for. Here in Texas, Democrats are very excited about Beto O'Rourke running against uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, There is... uh, I do not understand this. There is less interest in a lot of the other statewide uh, people running, even though our current attorney general is a, an indicted felon. (laughs) He has currently been indicted for felonies for corruption. He's still running and somehow the, the Democrat running against him, it's like ho-hum, but everyone's excited for Beto O'Rourke. People get excited around that candidate and are motivated to vote. Uh, You're seeing a little bit of that with Andrew Gillum in Florida Uh, You're seeing some of that in the governor's race in Wisconsin. You're seeing that in in Michigan. You're seeing that in some other places where people are actually latching on to their local candidates as a sort of uh, celebrity that is salient to them the same way that a president is usually salient to them. Whereas if you look at your statewide races in Utah, heck, I don't even know who's running against Mitt Romney. Is it Ben McAdams? I oh, know he's running against Mia Love. Oh, he's running against Mia Love. Who's running against uh, Mitt Romney in the Senate race? Um, you don't even know. See, the, this is my point. <laughs> if it's if it's not on the tip of your tongue, you don't know. So you know it's you know and it's they they haven't done their job. Oh, I think it's of uh, getting people. I think it's of oh Jenny Wilson. Jenny Wilson's running against the, Mitt Romney. See, but and and the but the idea that like I I mean. I'm pretty plugged into politics. I should remember that. I know who yeah. Jenny Wilson is. I know she's on the Salt Lake City Council. I, I've remembered that in the past, but it's not salient to me. It's not coming to the the tip of my tongue. Um, I think shows what what I'm trying to say is that uh, the you have to get a, there's an enthusiasm gap that you have to bridge, and if you can do that then uh you've got a chance. But um I mean I wish Jenny Wilson the very best against Mitt Romney. Um but that is gonna be a hard race to win. And
0: you know the, uh, the other interesting thing about this Andy that I think is the other problem. I think the Mitt Romney, Jenny Wilson at least that I've seen, has been fairly innocuous. Uh whereas right. the Ben McAdams, Mia Love, lots of attack ads, lots of television spots those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So I think we have that other problem where just politics in general, which is again, another podcast you and I are going to touch on, which is when you do a negative campaign, you're a lot more likely, I think to get airtime in in a, in especially in a midterm because you're, you're dominating airwaves that wouldn't, that aren't being filled by presidential, vice presidential, those kinds of things. Um, Right. And I think that's a that's a big difference between Romney, Wilson, and and Love, McAdams is, you know, the the spewing across advertisements. So, that's
1: that's absolutely true, and a lot of the data that studies the salience of political advertising shows that to be very much the case. And, right. uh, you know, advertising is usually cheaper in midterms because there's less competition for that airspace, and uh, that's. That's generally good. Um, One other thing that we should probably point out is that uh, since uh, the Supreme Court ruled in Citizens United that corporations can spend unlimited amounts of uh, their money in uh, independent expenditures in political advertising, there, there is no limit to what they can do. And so a lot of what you actually see is communication by not the candidates themselves, but by outside groups. And, okay. uh, and, and so um, one of the reasons why you may also have depressed turnout is that negative advertising, the number one thing that it manages to do, it, it has an overall depressing effect on the electorate. It not only depresses your opposition, but there are also people within your own base who are turned off by the tone of it and who will sit out the election if they feel it's gotten too negative and there's been too much mudslinging. But these outside groups will come in and spend a bunch of money and they end up depressing turnout because advertising is cheaper, because they don't have to compete with the salience of a presidential campaign, that's able to carry a lot more weight and it's another
0: reason why fewer people show up to midterms. So these have all been really interesting points and I guess it still leads me to wonder, I mean, data on the importance of midterms seems to be pretty evident. Do people just feel like even if something changes in the House or Senate that nothing's going to change for them anyway? You know, do, do people just feel like, well, it doesn't really matter because the only time things really change in our political system is when the president changes or doesn't change? Or, or what do you think is people's motivation for either yes or no involvement in midterms when it comes to that? I think part of it is a, a lack of confidence in the
1: institution of Congress. Whenever you ask people uh, their general approval rating of Congress, it's always incredibly low usually in the single digits uh these past few years in the low single digits like below five people really effing hate congress like there are polls where influenza polls better than congress (laughs) you know some people are pro if flu but you know still
0: can't stand congress you can just say that our senators have Flew in the oh, coop? Oh, oh let oh. But
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it.
1: Um, so the, that's part of the problem is if you are a voter who has a low sense of efficacy, that your vote is not going to matter in changing this system that you're kind of really exasperated with, you're just done with them, then why show up to vote? And because Congress is a slow-moving institution where the policies that they enact usually take years to really affect you, uh, it makes it really, really hard for a lot of voters to conceptualize like, oh, this is why I'm going out and doing it. One of, one of the reasons why there is usually a, the effect of going against the president's party is because it's often a, an attempt to just say like, hey, I didn't like what you just did. It's usually not a sense of like, of prospective voting, of I know what I am going to get, what I'm going to replace it with.
0: It's that I don't like what you just did. Perfect case in point, point. So 2010. It's a, it's a de facto, like a de facto visual argument of, see, we told
1: you right. we didn't like exactly. it. Exactly. 2010 people were upset about Obamacare that was like the number one thing they hated Obamacare and because of Citizens United the Koch brothers were pouring tons of money into congressional races to run negative ads against uh, Democrats who had voted for Obamacare and uh, voters were like yeah this thing sucks we hate it and even though they voted to repeal Obamacare It's like they they got them in, and Congress has yet to actually do that. Voters don't actually ever seem to hold their own people accountable for those types of things. Uh, They're like, oh, they'll they'll eventually get to it. But, uh, you know, but they will definitely be motivated to go in and vote against something that they really don't like. And so what we are likely to see in this midterm election is the argument that people do not like the actions that Trump has taken on healthcare in his partial repeal of, of Obamacare, his actions vis-a-vis the Supreme Court, his, uh, his tax cut, which is hugely unpopular, among most voters and and there are also people who are upset about immigration i mean we're only a few months away from when everyone was you know incensed about children in cages you know a lot of people still haven't forgotten that and are are still going to be upset about it uh and there are people who are going to show up and vote because of uh, a sense of corruption in washington and wanting to place a general check on uh on trump and what they fear is becoming an imperial presidency that even many would say has uh, been working with foreign powers to undermine the government well we'll see i'll I'll try and i'm trying to not like put my thumb too heavily on the scale here but
0: that is what many voters who will come to vote will be motivated by yeah it seems like some of the the polling at least how they're asking the questions to pollers have those thematic areas. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I wonder, you know, like we've talked about my draw to people who don't vote is there's a lot of other things other than the people, you know, there's the propositions, there's the, the amendments, uh, there's, there's things like that. There's the fact that I, I don't think you should be able to complain about anything if you don't vote Yeah, all the time, you know, like you don't get a pass for me. What can we do to drive more people to midterms? What I mean, it seems like there's things that we're not trying. Certain, certain groups seem to make it very difficult for anyone to vote um, with whether it's redistricting or multiple forms of ID, right? there's there's lots of things that I'm sure we'll touch on in later podcasts about the, the unfairness of voting, right? Right. But what are some things that we can do to help make midterm voting attractive? Well, yeah, there's those structural issues
1: that you mentioned. You right. can you could set right. up some uh, some sense of universal voter registration or same day voter registration. You show up with an ID and an electric bill, and you can vote on that day, and your vote counts. Uh, you, can, uh, you can do other things like that. Online registration to vote is another uh, example. Increasing the amount of early voting that will happen is important. Uh, the, the second one is psychological. And it's why I keep going back to this sense of voter efficacy. Is what is really the major determining factor of whether a voter shows up or not is if they think their vote will matter. Even if there is just this psychological sense of shouting at the wind and impotent rage, they will go and give their protest vote and they will gladly do it because that feels good to them. But anywhere where there is a competitive race and you have a preferred candidate, then that is going to be motivating as well uh, because you think That your vote will matter. And uh, we definitely saw in the 2016 election that uh, Donald Trump won a number of states by very small margins. A lot of people were not motivated to show up to vote for a number of reasons, Uh, and some of those were structural. With, uh, with voter suppression, some of them were people who were not excited about voting or the candidates that, that they uh, had to choose between, um, and some of them were just, you know, a sense of, oh, screw it, you know, my vote doesn't matter. The thing that I would want to share with anyone who's listening, listening to this is that your vote really, really, really does matter. It's the only thing that matters. <laughs> In a lot of ways and generally speaking the only people who are telling you your vote doesn't matter are the people who are empowered by the status quo so if you're upset about something you should really be voting because everyone will tell you you can't do anything about it you can't fight the power no you know if you just look at the demographics from basically every election If we only let people between the ages of 18 and 45 vote, we would have a very different electorate or we would have a very different government, uh, very different representatives. You know, most people 18 to 45 do not vote. People over 65 generally do. One of the reasons for that is voting is like a habit. And generally speaking, at some point, Uh, A voter will get excited about an election, they will find a candidate that they like and they will go out and they will vote for them and then they will keep voting from then on and it just becomes additive. Some people get bit by that bug in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, but generally speaking, by the time they've reached retirement age, they've, they've gotten bit at least once and so more and more people will vote. It's really incredibly important that you come out and vote, that your vote really, really does matter. And uh, this election will prove that because this has the potential to be a massively redefining election if people actually
0: turn out who are unlikely to turn out. Well, I think that's what's interesting is. It's important for people to know that that is every election. Every election, I mean, whether it's 5, 10, 15%, whatever it is, the, the landscape skews so interestingly if people get involved. And it, it's, it could go a variety of different ways, but it's always going to be something that no one expects when the same 32.5% of people don't do all the voting. Um, And so I totally agree with you. I think I think if you're a student and you're not sure about how to vote or a young person who's never voted before, uh, there's lots of ways to get involved. Uh, If you're not sure what your voting district is, you usually get stuff in the mail, um, you know, or you can look it up online. Uh, If if you're I mean, even if you're new to the country, you're a new citizen, there's there's lots of different ways that you can find out how to vote. Um, and and we encourage you to do that and and find those ways to do it because again every every group of person who votes has has a voice in this. This is a system that includes all of us, um, and and we want everyone to be heard, uh, whether or not there are policies or things that we disagree with. I mean, there's the the big joke around my friend group is if it's got property tax increase, JB's not going to vote for it, right? And and that's and everybody chuckles about it. And then we sit down and we have a serious policy issue about what increases in property taxes get you, you know, what is, what is the transfer of the distribution of, of that taxation to what you get for it. Right. Um, but I, I think there's so many different ways that people's voices change, uh, how people make decisions, who the decision makers are and, and what we do about it that, that I I echo your sentiment. And it's really, really important Uh, to get involved, to help your friends get involved, to help your family get involved uh, and be part of the process.
1: You want a cool story about how every vote matters? I do
0: want a cool story about that.
1: Yeah. So talk about midterm elections in the state state of Virginia. They have off year legislative elections for their house of delegates, which is their state legislature. So that's not even midterms, that's they're doing it in the odd-numbered years when most people aren't voting anyway. So turnouts even lower. Uh, There was a massive wave of enthusiasm. Uh, Republicans had controlled the the House of Delegates for a long time. Uh, Democrats were able to muster a, a strong group of people to run in many districts they were incredibly competitive and it came down they it came down to one house uh in the entire 100 seat legislature uh and the vote in that house ended up being tied so they drew names out of a bowl of the of the republican and the democrat because it was tied And uh, because of that, the Republican uh, was elected and the Republicans therefore maintained control of the House of Delegates. If one other person had shown up in that district, if 10 other people had shown up in that district to vote the other way, the entire legislature would have changed. So your vote really, truly does matter.
0: Yeah, if you think about votes, yeah, I mean even on propositions and things, the, the, the difference between uh, something passing and something not is is often, I mean, less than a hundred votes. So so every vote matters, and not only that, it's just it's 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 a chance to get involved in the community, and part of what Andy and my purpose in in doing what we do is to to bring back that sense of of civic value and joy it's 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 good to get involved in the community it's it's positive it should be something that enriches you rather than makes you feel like it's a slog to do this it's 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 something that so many other people in the world don't have the ability to do uh, that that I think it's really important that we do it. And, and and you're right. Not only does your vote matter but your ability to take the action to do so is really important. JB, what what
1: do you think is the most important office in our democratic form of government?
0: Um that is a really, really good question. I in many ways think it is some of your state mm-hmm. officers. I think your your governors, your mayors Uh, even your your city council Mm -hmm. i mean so many decisions happen at a city council level that affect you uh, even more directly than you would think at a president or senatorial Mm -hmm. level um your your school board makes humongous decisions that affect your children treasurers all of those kinds of things so i always highlight the fact that i think we have numerous local positions that affect you even more than some of the national positions that get much more of our attention. Yeah. It's usually my answer, but I am interested in what you think as well.
1: Well, to your point, you're, you're entirely correct because I, did you know this, that the city of Salt Lake City has committed to move to 100% clean, renewable energy? By
0: uh, I have heard something like that. I didn't know when the date was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that happened. And that happened because of the mayor. That happened because of the city council. So way to go, Jenny Wilson. That's actually how, how I'd heard of Jenny Wilson, because she uh, helped push that through. So yes, you know, that's huge. You know, at a time when there is gridlock in Congress, the biggest city in the state of Utah is making their own decision about energy uh, that affects a huge number of people and uh, will affect the pollution levels and will affect so much more. So while I will agree that state and local officials are incredibly important. What I gave you was actually, in my opinion, a trick question because I believe that the most important office in a democracy is actually that of the citizen. That's, that's you. That's uh, everyone listening. You are the most important because you are the boss of all of those people. And if you don't show up, then you can't boss them around. Right. And if you do not show up, what's going to happen is other people are going to show up. The biggest problems that we have is that too many of the wrong people are showing up and they're doing terrible things. And they're usually doing it uh, with, with money and with lobbying and things like that. The only antidote for that is more civic participation And the very first piece of that is just to go make sure you go out and vote. You you can be the boss of everyone uh, by making that decision. And then uh, once you've elected those people, then you call them and harass them and tell them how to vote on everything. Be a thorn in their side. Well, don't harass them. Well, har- harass in the nice way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, the, the, harass the way that I harass Ted Cruz. I'm not slapping yeah, him on the butt. I'm. Well, will you will
0: use another word uh, is <laughs> to is to call them repeatedly, and well, it's just to get in. It's to get involved in the, the process itself. It's, um, you know, there a good friend of ours, for instance, Paul White, is yes. an excellent. Model an example of how to do that. When when he sees legislation, uh, he calls on it. He um, asks questions of his representative's office. Uh, he has a a very positive discourse, saying, "I don't, I don't, I either do or don't agree with this for the following reasons." And usually, he reports back that he has excellent conversations with his elected representatives' offices about that process. Yeah. So. There are lots of people in your communities who are already doing that and, and doing it with, with great, successful outcomes in many ways.
1: Yeah, that's actually, it's really cool. Like you would be amazed at the type of conversation that you can have with your member of Congress or their staff. If you will take the time to set it up and give them a thought out presentation and and have a polite conversation with them. They're, most of the congressional staffers, I will say this, across the board, both parties, they're good people. They're trying yeah. to do good things, and they really want to serve uh, their, their constituents, which is you. So, right. uh, you know, you are their bosses in a sense, and uh, it's it's great to to go in and lobby them as a citizen. You may not have all of the dollars that someone from Exxon may have, but you
0: but you vote, and Exxon still can't. So, you got one up on them. You would hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's... I, I, I mean, again, I, I think you and I both agree about the importance of this. I think it's something that uh, we don't talk about enough. I know you and I both shared a lot of the same classes in high school. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about voting, but I don't think we ever got to the sense of th- the importance of it right. and and actual case studies of how things have swung on a dime or, you know, like you said, entire state's policies have changed because of, of what the populace wanted. Right. I think it'll be interesting, for instance, in Utah to see with medical marijuana, how many... Uh, governing bodies or community bodies have come out against it, but how many of the populace uh, don't agree with them? I'm very so, interested in that race. I really, yeah, I'm, yeah. You and I both will be interested to see. I obviously get to vote on it, so right. I'm excited to go do that. But uh, I am interested to see if the the people um, and and the the system uh, will will come to terms with perhaps what is a very differing view and that's again another exciting thing about civics is you get to see if uh, what people really believe because right. um, the, the easiest way to find out what people to believe is to put it in front of them and say um tell us tell us which one you think right. yes or no Yep. study it out make your own decision yep and-, <laughs> and that's the other thing i think and and i know we've belabored the the voting point quite a bit but uh there's so much information now when you and I first started voting, they sent you pamphlets in the Mm -hmm. mail and that was it. Now you can go on and you can find out. I mean, I remember last year I actually got to vote on judges based on information I had about their voting records. Right. And, and I remember when I first started voting, it was like, Oh, well that judge looks very judgy. Um, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I suppose I'll vote for a person who looks very judge like, Sure, uh, and now you have voting records. You have uh, positive and negative feedback from other judges and community members, and it's just a whole different world. And I think uh, voting has now become something that I, I don't want to say it's easy, but I think the information is so completely accessible that we really don't have reason to not be educated about it. There's there's no excuse no matter how angry you are upset at the process to not uh, be involved. Right. And, and everybody has that one
1: friend who is very well informed. Uh, I know because I am that friend for many of my friends and a few weeks before the election, they come to me and they tell me, Hey, what do you think about prop seven? And uh, we talk about it. Find that friend because that's what this is all about is about community and making collective decisions with the community and um hopefully you can find a friend who isn't like a a raving partisan one way or the other or if they are they're at least your your flavor of tea and that works for you um but you know feed yourself with different ideas, or find a friend who will give you both sides of the argument and try to put it to you in a fairly, in an academic, like not putting their finger on the scale way. And um, if, if you want to do that with me, I'm happy to do it with you. I might have to get educated on your personal issues, but uh, I, can, I can
0: try and do what I can. So... Hit me up. Yeah, if I think you are interested and, in. Yeah, you and I are both really interested in in local policies. I mean, you you work directly in the field, and I think have a much better grasp of it. But um, I've found that as an as an educator, it's always more interesting for me to go. Uh, let's find where that information is, and make sure you feel like you're the most educated voter you can be. Because I think I think the process for a lot of people is scary. I, I think we're surrounded so much by apathy in the world that taking a step to being more engaged is, it can be somewhat frightening. And I mean, the diatribe is very toxic and, and the vernacular is, is sometimes a little overwhelming, but I think there's lots of ways to make it simple. There's lots of ways to really let you choose what it is. And uh, I, I hope people who are listening recognize the passion that Andy and I have about being civically minded um, and and know that that we will. We we like to support our friends and family, and making sure that uh, they get out and, and vote and, and take part of it. And it, it is it's it's a really cool experience, uh, and it, not just because you get a sticker, um, but that you're you're actually doing something, uh, surrounded by your your fellow community members to take steps to what you think will improve the community. Right. It's you know in this day and age, I think the hardest
1: thing to be is sincere and vulnerable and uh because we live in an era of uh, where where apathy is pretty cool and hot takes are pretty cool but being willing to say like huh i don't know let me think about that and then have a thoughtful reasoned response and putting it out there and uh you know kind of putting your heart on the line with it that's tough and um Man, our politics in the last several years have gotten really tough. It is emotionally hard to be in this day in and day out. I don't know how people do it and I I I definitely understand why people just don't engage with it because it's like you can't be on 100% of the time, but take the time, find your friends, talk about it with them get informed get engaged put it out there and and do what you need to do because the the alternative is really scary uh because the alternative is uh to be to be ruled by your lesser's, as uh i believe cicero said um of of democracy so uh you know, make sure that you vote and um and and find some friends to do it with. That's the best way.
0: Uh, I have I enjoy my um, mom and I go vote together usually. Uh, most of Utah's elections are are mail in though. Um, that's easy. Which again is makes it much more convenient. Yeah, it's it's super easy. I don't. I don't think you can find a reason to not vote in Utah with, with how they make it in a lot of ways. I, I did. I used to, whenever I can, I go vote with, with my mom. Cause it is, it's, it's something that it's, it's really fun. It's fun to go with people that you care about and people who um, you know, we don't talk about necessarily what we voted, but we talk about uh, kind of like you and I do. We talk about what are the high points and low points or what are the ramifications for each of us about w- what each procedure or person or those kinds of things are. And, and it is, it, I didn't think it would be that fun until I started doing that with, with her. And it, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it opens a different side of communication and, and dialogue about what people find important in, in how they live their daily lives. Your mom is also awesome. So <laughs> she, she is. So that is, it is also a big plus to, to vote with someone who's twice as smart as you. It'd <laughs> be, It's like talking to you, talking to her, voting with both of you would be like, I'm just going to sit here and take my sticker and go home.
1: That sounds like fun. I
0: like, I I would, I
1: want to go to there.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily we'll just mail you one. We'll mail you an honorary ballot. I think we can get. Oh,
1: no, no. uh, (laughs) I think that's, I think that's voter fraud. (laughs) No, Uh, we are not mailing me a Utah ballot. (laughs) (laughs) That would be (laughs) illegal.
0: (laughs) We we have redistricted him out of this. This part will be bleeped out of the <laughs> podcast, so don't worry about that at all. Um, well, no, well, I I think this is this is great. I I always appreciate Andy. I think you have a ton of knowledge about things that are really important in the in the political process, and and I hope uh, people who are listening uh, really understand the importance of of voting, especially in the midterms, and 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 get out and do that again. The it's coming up on us here pretty soon. Uh, so so pay attention. If you have mail-in voting, pay attention. Check your mail. Uh, make sure that it's coming to you. Uh, if not, uh, check for your polling place nearby. Uh, make sure you have you know everything you need to, to be able to vote when you get there. Uh, check for early voting. Early voting is always easier. Lines are generally not as long. You get to see the same volunteers. It's a lot of fun. But keep an eye on, on where you can vote and what times you can do it. Uh, as Andy and I both really encourage you to do so. And and make sure you're registered right now.
1: Just check and make sure. Uh, even if you aren't registered, if you show up, many places will let you cast a provisional ballot, uh, and you can try and do that. But try and get registered now, uh, because we're about a month out from the elections. Most places will cut that off fairly soon.
0: Yeah, Andy, that's a great point. What we'll do is we'll post some some links that may help if you're not sure where to go usa.gov has some sites there are a couple other sites that andy's familiar with we'll have a couple references up there for you just to make sure Uh, again if if you're not sure where to go not sure where to start uh, it's really easy to get registered to vote every state has specific regulations and 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 processes but they're they're usually pretty simple Uh, so we'll have a couple of of places where you can check a drop-down menu or, or find the state uh, where you currently reside. So, Andy, let's talk about what is great this week. So, why don't you why don't you start us with something that's great? Okay. Uh, I feel like I
1: talk about the good place a lot, uh, but I have something the good place adjacent, okay. which is a. A charity run by Mark Evan Jackson, who does the Good Place podcast, Um, he started a charity called the Detroit Creativity Project, and uh, Mark got his start doing improv and local theater in Detroit, and because of the, uh, the way that the Michigan state government has decided to try to privatize so many of the schools in Detroit and Flint and take a lot of their funding away. Thanks, Betsy DeVos. Um, uh, sorry, little political plug there. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the things that's been hit the hardest is uh, theater. And he wanted to give back to the community. And uh, so he, he partnered with a, uh, with a psychologist or a sociologist at the University of Michigan and they designed this program to go in and teach improv theater to middle school and high school kids. And teach it to them as not only like fun theater games, but also as life skills. Ways to deescalate a tension that you may have, ways to uh, make friends, ways to overcome conflict, ways to communicate with people. Uh, and if anyone, if you've ever done improv theater, you know that a lot of it is based on listening and uh, reacting and uh, trying to do things in fun ways. So um, it's been very successful, uh, the Detroit Creativity Project, and uh, they are now expanding, hopefully statewide, uh, to the rest of Michigan, uh, and uh, will be will be teaching all sorts of kids, all sorts of theater and improv skills and improving nice. their lives. So a uh, really great. great way to give back to people from Mark Evan Jackson from the good place, the Detroit creativity project at Detroit creativity project.org. Go, go over there and give
0: them five bucks. I, yes. If, if you're nearby, uh, I'm going to go with something that the redevelopment agency of Salt Lake Uh, Just started, and it is um, they they've taken the granary District, which is sort of a adjacent downtown. It's it's a little to the west of downtown, and they commissioned fifteen artists to do eleven gigantic murals. Um, Oh, cool! These murals total sixty two hundred square feet uh, of art. So they they've got these people doing murals on sides of all these buildings. Um, it's it's been this, this RDA is an area for the past 18 years where they've tried to uh, communi- to do like a community reinvestment. So this is this is I think a hundred or so thousand dollar mural program. Um, so there's a couple of brewing companies, there's uh, uh, Atmosphere Studios that the these murals will be on the side of. So um, they did a they did a walk through tonight. Uh, they had some interviews with the artists, and people could bike and walk through. Um, it was this evening, but you can still go out. It's it's you know Third West, Seventh South, and there's an area around. There's some really cool, uh, you know. There's one with like um, a set of moss or it looks like a beehive. There's some cool line related art, um, but it's it's a really huge public arts project. Um, and it, and I am friends with people who know the artist and and uh, they're busting their butt to make great art for our city here in Salt Lake so it's really neat it's a really good sense of economic development and I really to your point where we're we're taking art and um, drama and and these things away from people it's nice to see uh, two examples where people are trying to bring it back, trying to bring back art in our community and, uh, the ability for, for people to use, uh, creativity to solve problems and, and make things more beautiful. So, uh, it's, it's the granary mural project. And as Andy and I tend to do, we'll have links to both of our, um, what is great in this week posted online. Um, but if you're in the Utah region, come on by and look at them. Um, Again, they did a, a big cool thing in the Granary District Alliance. Uh, some of the artists spoke, but it's, it's really neat. to. We've got so many silos and warehouses and old, uh, you know, granary building looking things there that having these murals on the sides is, is really, really neat. So I like that we both had kind of a cool artistic, um, what is great this week. So that's, that's really neat. We were each able to find one. I like when we do that.
1: I like that too. That was fun usually it's me talking about a tv or movie or something and i went i i actually did like a socially
0: responsible one so
1: it's it's me trying to copy you
0: you. (laughs) you're gonna have to cut that out someday but uh, for now i'll allow it um i stay tuned though for next week when the good place does something amazing and andy talks about that right <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'll start another podcast that just about the good place for a while it's not no i'm just kidding yeah just well, we are
0: we, we will be doing our own good place podcast one version of it and we'll probably do a couple of them because there's there's a lot of andy and i both being huge fans of ethics we'll we'll have to unpack that quite a bit so yeah but stay for that one as well yeah maybe at the end of the year when the season's over we'll uh We'll we'll see if we can fit one in. So, good times. Well, we should probably do a a one for each season, though. Well, maybe I don't know. Well, I think we, we could see. pull that off. Maybe we'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, really, really great projects. Really great things people are working on. A uh, lot of stuff that's great. Uh, make sure you're paying attention to it in your community. Uh, maybe take some extra time when you go vote to wander around, find some other great things that you can see uh, while you're doing your great civic duty. That's
1: awesome. Uh, I believe that that is very close to where our offices are. So the next time I'm in town for work, I will take a pit stop when I'm
0: by the office and go check that out. That's uh, great. That's really great. Yeah, I think you'll really like it. There's some really great stuff there. And uh, again, once they get everything uh, posted. I'm sure the trib will have some pictures of it, and I'll I'll make sure those are up on the site in case anybody wants to see them who who can't make it here to our great state. Nice,
1: nice. Well, that that about wraps it up. Uh, I think we've we've gone over why midterm elections are indeed great, and you should pay attention to them. As always, uh, please go check out the show notes for all of these links at thehallofgreatness.com. dot com. You can find all of those there. You'll also be able to find their links to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at The Hall of Greatness. You can find us on Instagram at The Hall of Greatness. Uh, Follow us there and regram us, retweet us, and tell us what you think is great. And until then, I'm Andy. And I'm JB. And this could have been worse. Meanwhile... Shut this up. Shut these all up. I'm warning you, turning off these machines would be extremely hazardous. I'll tell you what's hazardous. You're facing federal prosecution for at least a half a dozen environmental violations. Now either you shut off these beams or we shut them up for you. All we have to decide is what it's to do with the time that is the given to us.
0: You shut that thing down, and we are not gonna be held responsible for whatever country, happened. Healthy, no, we won't be shut it off. Hate <laughs> is always foolish, love is always wise always try to be nice but never fail to be kind don't shut it off i'm warning you i have never
1: seen anything like this before i don't know i'm not interested in your opinion just shut it off
0: could be worse and to make a long story short too late it's worse Shut it off